This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Trend. My name is Jay, I'm here again with Ramon, and today we're going to be talking about influencer marketplaces and influencer relationship marketing, kind of how everything connects and whether if you're able to use like an influencer marketplace, whether you can actually build a real relationship with an influencer versus using maybe a database or something like that. Absolutely. And this episode really aligns with everything we've been preaching of being resourceful and helpful to brands. Uh, And I think, you know, by analyzing what the other options are, I think we're adding a lot of transparency and mistakes that brands uh, shouldn't be making as, you know, choosing the wrong influencer platform or system that you decide to move forward with uh, could be an expensive mistake. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of platforms out there that are available. It's increasing, feels like, by the day. But not every platform is the right platform. And I think the really important thing, obviously, everyone identifies that as a need, which is building the influencer relationship. Um, And something a lot of people are not really as aware of and as strong of right now is how to build that relationship properly. So what are a couple of ways that you can do that? Like, do you need to actually communicate with the influencer yourself or is there a better way to still be able to cultivate that relationship between you and the influencer as a brand? I believe that you can communicate directly uh, with the influencer in order to build that relationship. But uh, I think the relationship starts after maybe, you know, first of all, the relationship should start after both parties have shown interest in alignment. So an organic relationship does not start because of, hey, you know, I saw you in this massive pool of influencers and I want to work with you. So I'm willing to pay you five, a thousand dollars more than this other competitor I have. Uh, in order for you to work with me instead of our competitors. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I also agree that that's the case. That, And that's one thing that Trend does really well is whenever we post our campaigns in our platform, influencers are applying it. They're not picking those campaigns because they're looking to make the most money necessarily. They're looking to really find something that aligns with their brand and be able to present this brand as part of their own ecosystem. So I think that's what they're really focused in on. And I agree with you 100% when you say that the relationship doesn't really start until both people are aligned. And I think, you know, whether you're using an influencer database or a marketplace, it kind of like both stops at that same point, right? At some point, you both have to be aligned on something. Like on a database, you can reach out to a ton of different influencers and try and message them, but if they're unresponsive, that doesn't mean you've created a relationship or started to create a relationship. I think that relationship really happens once someone has accepted the campaign and both systems kind of do the same thing in the sense of they facilitate being able to start a campaign together. And so you ultimately reach the same step. Just one reaches you faster, I think, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and this is, as you mentioned on Trend, you know, there's no negotiation. Creators are offered the same price for all campaigns. So uh, it adds a lot of authenticity when, hey, you know, the opportunity in terms of income is the same for all of them. But there's other factors that go into consideration when choosing a campaign. And that is which of these products are mostly going to align with my audience and myself and my personal brand. And then to add to the authenticity piece, not only is the pricing you know the same and there's no need to negotiate but the most important part is that we don't force creators to be part of a campaign so they have complete free will in saying okay i want to be a part of this campaign or i don't want to be an active on trend for a month or two i want to lay low during covid for example or uh anything else you know they're not being texted or constantly bombard it with emails saying, hey, we have this great campaign for you. We need you uh, to apply to it. Like a lot of databases that uh, we've been able to join as, as influencers do. When you combine that with offering them a high monetary compensation to just do a campaign, I think a lot of the authenticity piece is missed. And that's what a lot of brands are concerned about. You know, at this point in influencer marketing, most brands aren't even concerned about budget, but more so authenticity. And this is why a lot of brands choose to do it in-house, even though it might cost them 10x more money because they say, yes, it's 10x more money, but we're building uh, these relationships internally uh, because of the, the, the systems that these databases have, have costs in the ecosystem. Another thing to add is that the reason why a vetted network is high quality uh, and authentic is because we vet out every single person by hand before joining the network. So authenticity gets lost in a marketplace if there is no vetting. But if the initial vetting is very, very thorough, then you're dealing with a really high quality vetted pool of creators where you have to also vet the brands in order to keep attracting those high quality creators. So, you know, we do the vetting on both ends to make sure that our creators are getting great quality brands and that the brands are getting uh, really high quality creators that they have free will to accept or reject into a campaign and where the influencers have free will to apply or not apply to any campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another great point you brought up in terms of the vetting process that uh, specifically speaking towards trends vetted network, we probably put a lot more effort into, and that's, that's not to say that the brands don't put any effort into vetting influencers on their own, but we especially are really focused in on doing the right sort of vetting just because we don't want to have a brand have a bad experience or an influencer have their reputation potentially be tarnished because of a poor experience of a mismatch of like something doesn't match up in the campaign. So I would argue that networks probably do a better job than brands do on their own, not only because we want to make sure that the campaign's successful, but we're doing this so many times and we're doing this at scale, right? A brand would probably vet maybe 500, probably maximum of 500 influencers in a year. Let's say they're running a ton of different campaigns and they end up using 500 influencers. But our vetted network is actually, I mean, we vet through what, like uh, tens of thousands of influencers. So repeating that process has helped us improve our vetting process and ultimately leads to a better, stronger network that 
probably has a little bit more effort into that vetting process. And by us being a network with a variety of high quality brands and an iOS app, we have the network effects that kick in from establishing a network of thousands already. So the organic growth from that is also something that compounds over time, whereas a brand has to be constantly on the hunt. Even though we still go on the hunt here because this is what we do full time, uh, we also have a compounding effect of an organic and, and network effect. And then by also having other brands and the network, the creators are held accountable to do their best job possible in the campaign to be able to get deals from more brands because all brands in trend can see the other campaigns that influencers have done, they get rated. Whereas in a database, the influencer doesn't even know they're part of that database probably. Uh, they don't care because there's a million influencers in the database and there's a hundred brands. So, you know, they'll get a deal and they don't have a specific rating or accountability system in which they have to stand out in order to continue to get campaigns from brands. And this is why Trend has the fastest turnaround time in campaign completion and the quality of the content and the campaign in itself. Absolutely. And I think one important thing while we're still talking about this vetting process. Uh, I saw an example online of someone saying that, you know, you need to do the vetting yourself just because you never know what the influencer has. But I don't think trend is really taking away that piece because you could still jump onto that person's profile and see what kind of content they're producing and what their audience is and still be able to do that research on your own. You're just basically getting a curated list of influencers that you're ready to work with. And I think uh, another thing I want to hit on is the messaging piece, which is like back to relating to that authentic relationship you're trying to craft. Just because you aren't the one that's reaching out to the influencer and it goes in the other way, I think that still doesn't lose the fact that you are creating that relationship because as long as you can still communicate with the influencer, that's how you're really going to curate the relationship ultimately. And I think that communication piece is still, it's just not lost in the network. If anything, it's a little bit stronger because you are, the, as a brand, you're the one with the need and the influencer is the one that's applying to the campaign. So they've already pre-established that they want to be able to partner with this product and use their product. So those two needs have kind of come together at the same time. And it's kind of a really great thing. Yeah, and even when you want to re-engage that influencer again in a platform where the influencer names their own price, you know that it is a supply demand thing. So by you asking the influencer, hey, I want to work with you. I think you're better than everyone else I've worked with. You know what they're going to say. They're going to say, okay, my price has gone up. And on trend, uh, that cannot happen. You can re, you know, activate influencers for the original rate. So if they really enjoy working with your brand, if they really enjoy working with your products, they shouldn't reject the campaign because you didn't pay them $500 more. That wouldn't be a, a really authentic relationship. Yeah. And I think to your point, you brought up a really interesting point there that it is a supply and demand system when you're not using a network and anyone can make their own race. And social media platforms are public platforms, right? I mean, for the most part, anyone can go on these platforms, check out who's been tagged in posts. It's not very hard to determine if a brand has run an influencer campaign or creator campaign before. 
So there's nothing stopping someone from partnering with a brand and maybe giving like a fixed rate, like let's say I'll do this campaign for $200, right? You run the campaign, campaign finishes in maybe a month or two months. Now as the creator, I go back and see the tag post and it looks like I'm the best creator out of there. And so when the brand comes back to me, I'm going to say, you know what? I want to, I want to pay. If you're going to work, if you want to work with me again, I'm going to charge double because in the back of their head, they know that they're the best creator that's out there for that campaign. So now you've created a ton more friction and it's even harder to maintain that relationship with that superstar creator because, I mean, you can still maintain that relationship, but your price that you're going to pay is going to go up exponentially. And then imagine, okay, imagine that happening with one creator. Now imagine that happening with 10 in a, in a, every month. Now imagine how much time that much adds to the, uh, how much time that adds to the process of re-engaging that creator multiplied times, times 10. It's a really time consuming process. And then they, you give them, you go back and forth negotiating. They accept the deal. It's kind of like an awkward, sour relationship by that point. And the results are probably not going to be what you were hoping for in the first place from somebody that actually just genuinely enjoys your products, wants to build their portfolio, uh, and isn't necessarily looking to get top dollar per transaction. Yeah, I think one thing we should also cover over here while we're talking about just influencer relationship management, we've talked about, you know, supply and demand and pricing and stuff like that. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what would your response be to people who are saying, oh, well, by negotiating with the influencer and being able to pay the influencer on my own, I can use money as a price, as a price motivator, basically to motivate them to create better content versus if the price is fixed, then maybe the motivation is not there to produce better content. What do you have to say against that? Let's think about it this way. What if you were getting an Uber driver and now you have the future of uh, tipping them ahead of time? What if you say, I'm gonna go ahead and tip him $10 on top ahead of time so he drives way better. Like he just, he'll, he'll stop at red lights like, you know, he, he will look twice because that's kind of silly to think about. The rating system, the gamified rating system of a network is way more powerful than any monetary incentive because it's in their best interest to maintain a good reputation in the network. And that's the power of networks right there. So whenever we talk with brands, if they want to give an affiliate code and give a big revenue share, they might get a little bit more motivated to think about it a little bit more. But I think the power of maintaining a good reputation in the network could be more powerful than a larger monetization compensation. And then it's like psychology effect of like, the more you give, the more somebody expects. So you go right off the bat, okay, here's a thousand dollars for your campaign. Um, next time you come around, you know, here's another thousand dollars and then it's just money that they feel entitled to. And there is no actual uh, loop to to maintain a good relationship unless there's a contract involved and it's a long term commitment. I think that's another way to do it. If you didn't have a network and you were doing it on your own, like Adidas grabs uh, ambassadors that are have 20,000 followers, they're micro influencers and they're, they're pro, junior pro athletes. If you sign those people for a year and they have KPIs to hit throughout the year, then I think that's another way of kind of simulating the network effect. Yeah, for sure. And I think you brought up a really interesting point 
on Uber over there. I'm curious what your thoughts are. And I know we've talked about different sorts of pricing models on influencer marketing and things like that on this podcast. So I'm interested what your thoughts would be if someone put in some sort of like tipping option or something like that. Do you think there's space for that in the influencer marketing world to kind of have those fixed rates and still have a tipping option available? I think right now the commission piece emulates that pretty well. I think, you know, the the commission based on how your audience engages with it, I think it's a pretty good system and probably not worth touching or exploring. The tipping option could be great, honestly. I really like it. It could be great, especially during COVID. I think, you know, bumping the commission uh, would also be a great fair and fair you know, addition to the compensation, but I think the tipping aspect can be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely something to think about. It's one of our whole podcast is basically to try and figure out how this whole influencer marketing machine works and really just nail it down and create a really good process that works for brands and influencers. And that's always been our core purpose. So yeah, this was good. Uh, breaking this down, it's, it's, it's our job to sit here and educate creators and brands on the pros and cons of all the options out there, educate them more on the industry, uh, our platform as well. And this was a good one. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time on The Trend.